But I just want to share a message with you this morning. I'm calling it, for God's sake, grow up. Now, come on. You always wanted to say that to the person next to you, didn't you? But why don't you turn to them right now and say, why don't you just grow up? See, some of you really got into that. (laughs) You're inspired this morning. That's great. I'm talking to inspired people. Well, Ephesians 4.13, we're going to start there. It says, until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's God's goal for us, and for us that are involved in extending his kingdom, that's our goal for one another. This is an expression, you know, this is from the chapter 4 of Ephesians, which is speaking about the apostolic team. Just before this, it says he's given... To some, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Some are called to be that and be part of a team. So I just want to say to you, as somebody who is part of this team that this church relates to, that's our heart. And I'm not going to get into detail with this whole thing, but if you look at it, you can really see some of the job description of those who are on that team. But I just want to highlight this one, this whole area of maturity, and help us to recognize this morning that that's what God's goal is for us, That's what he calls a team and those involved in ministry to help us grow up. God doesn't want to leave us right where we are. He wants to leave us to grow up, and everybody said amen. I heard some, oh, I don't know about that. So if we're talking about maturity, we, I mean, we throw these words around. What is maturity, you know? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because if we want to go to the Word, the best place to find a definition of something is in his word. So we're going to go look at his word this morning. And I've just done a word study on maturity. I've pulled seven points out. So you'll know when I'm landing, when I start getting close to seven. Uh, But I I just thought I would look at some scriptures that speak about maturity and say, hey, what is this? What, What is it that we're pursuing? If God has called us to go after this with our whole heart, what is it we're going after? What does maturity look like? So my first one is to pursue a relationship with Christ. Philippians 3.15 says, All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. (laughs) As Paul speaking, it sounds a little bit cheeky, doesn't it? (laughs) Listen, you may disagree with me, but you'll get it eventually, you know, as you mature. I just want to say this scripture, this we know is from chapter 3. I'm sure you've touched on that in this church. Without getting into chapter 3, just say this is an amazing, amazing chapter that just speaks into what we were sensing in our worship this morning. And that is this, Paul saying in uh, the beginning of chapter 3, he's just talking about all these things that he had going for him, and they worked for him in the law, all kinds of great con- uh, credentials, but he said, I consider all of those dung compared to this righteousness that I have now by faith. This righteousness that you and I have this morning. And then he goes on from that to say a number of things. One of them is that I might know Christ. And that knowing we know is being pointed out to us here before. The Greek for that means to touch, to partake of. Speaks of intimacy like a man with a woman. Somebody might say to Paul, listen, you know Christ, you know. I could say to Paul here, we got our own Paul here. Paul, you know Christ. But Paul is saying, yeah, but I want to know him, you know. This is just a reminder to us, there's no end of knowing Christ, you know. 
We will go on for eternity being overwhelmed with who he is. But what Paul is saying is, I, I, that was yesterday. Today, I want an up-to-date, intimate relationship with Christ. I want to enter into this relationship and all that it offers. Nice to have known him yesterday. Today's a new day. I want to know Christ, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. I don't just want to know him. I just want to say there's nothing in life worth more than knowing him. The surpassing greatness, such a passion in his heart to know more of Christ. And that's what God has called you and I to. If we want to walk in the maturity that God has called us to, we're going to have to put Jesus right in the center. Guess why I chose this as my first point? Because this is first over every other point. Everything that we pursue. He goes on to say that I might know the power of his resurrection. If we want to be all that Christ has called us to be and mature into all he's called us to be, then we need to go after his power. But I want to say to us that the more power that we go after, and God is stirring his church in this hour to contend for a greater demonstration of his power. But I want to say to us, the more we go after his power, then the more we need to go after him. Because it's dangerous to have his power without an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And he finishes it off by saying, becoming like him in his death. If you want all of the life and the power that comes out of the cross, then you're going to have to brace the death of the cross. It's a package. And it's not about me anymore now that I'm in Christ. It's about him and the extension of his kingdom. When I came to Christ, I died. I was nailed to the cross. This old man was nailed to that cross, and I rose up, resurrected a new Ivor Lewis. Hallelujah. But Paul says, I die daily. There's a death that I embrace by faith, but there's also a dying and stepping into it daily. And then we know that one day we are going to die. This old body is going to be done away with. But in the meantime, I die to all of my desires and my purposes and what I would like to see in my life. You know. Now, that's not to say that God doesn't use and he doesn't put on your heart things and there's things that make you tick and you want to find out what God wants you to do. He's, he wants you in the center of what really makes he's made you for. But at the end of the day, we're here to do his will. It's the extension of his kingdom and his kingdom kingdom is extended as we walk in his will. We submit our lives, our purposes, our desires to his desire. And then we see his kingdom extend. Well, that's not my message to you today, but that's all part of why Paul said, if you're mature, you should be taking this viewpoint. You know? So I can say that to you. If you're mature, you should be taking this viewpoint. My second point is, is that we need to build from a solid foundation of truth. Hebrews 6.1 says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. There's our word again. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about baptisms, laying on of hands, and the resurrection of dead and eternal judgment. Now, these are often considered the six basic foundation stones. We teach them as a sound basis of uh, theology, and as Paul says, we should leave these elementary teachings. It's not something complicated. But what Paul is saying is, is, listen, if you want to go on, if you want to mature, you need to have this at the basis of your understanding about who you are. So people say, well, I don't care about theology. It's just me and Jesus. No, 
we want to walk in maturity, we're going to have to do something about this teaching here. There is a prophetic picture that I really felt God gave me as I was preparing this sermon, and I don't always have this happen to me, but I really felt like I was caught up in the Spirit, and I was in the space station, just going around the earth in the space station. It was glorious. It was just more than, you know, the average kind of picture that you see. I'm not trying to blow any horns here or anything or say, boy, if you don't have that kind of experience, you're not hearing. No, that happens now and then. (laughs) But I really felt in it. I didn't pick up that this was for this message. But afterwards, I thought, no, this is really, this is it. And this is what God said to us this morning. We're, We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. And I realized that if you're in that space station, you are a new creature. You're somebody different now. That just, that revelation came to me. You would have to understand a whole new ethos of living, a whole new basic theology now of the new man that you are to function in this place. Before you get down to the how-tos and how you do things, you need to understand who you are now. Well, guess what? I'm having this revelation that I'm bringing to you this morning. And I, I put the TV on, and they're, they're, they're interviewing this new guy. We've got a new Canadian who's going to space, you know. Not the one who did ground control to a major, you know, not that guy. There's a new guy, there's a new Canadian going into space. So they're interviewing them and saying, well, what kind? I mean, you've been years here in training. What, what did they teach you? He said, for the first year, they only taught us who we were now. <laughs> you take the words right out of my mouth, you know. He said, you had to find out who you are. There's a different person that you are now. And before they even teach you how to, this guy's saying this. You need to find out who you are. You know. And so there's this basic theology that God wants to bring to us. I mean, if you're in space, guess what? Team is not an option anymore. It's not my way or the highway, you know. I mean, you understand? No, this is a different ethos you live on here. That's, you may want to do that on earth. It's not actually good for you. But in space, you don't want to say my way or the highway. Guess what? You die out there, you know. Guess what? You need everybody here, so we better work as a team, you know. They tell us politics and, you know, ethnicity and all this stuff gets left at the door when you get into that rocket. We need one another here. There's a whole new way of operating and thinking, and I could go on with those. Certainly a whole new perspective. I mean, I'm really enjoying this. Look at Earth. Just wow, you know. This earth floating down there. You see things completely different. And you have to live differently, but you have to understand who you are, who the values are. And so it is with you and I that God wants us. Now, Paul says, let us leave this. So some people think, well, that means you just learn that one time and then you never worry about it again. No, that doesn't work that way. Like everything, we have great forgetteries. So God just completely keeps massaging this stuff over and over again to us. Not what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying is, listen, don't stay there. You, that's meant to be a basis from which you move on in Christ. You need to grow up. Don't just stay in theology. Praise God for those that love theology. But how many have found in your few years in Christ here that there are some people, that's it, you know. They're lost in there. It's like a, you, you look at these big holes in the ground when they're building something, and it's like, Somebody building, I mean, aren't you glad they build, they go way down there, you know. Those guys are mucking away down in the muck for a long time, aren't they? You want to go, hey, I thought we were getting a building here. Then suddenly from this foundation, it springs up. I mean, if they didn't take the time down there, it would really be a problem. If they just showed up and started building, you'd say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, we got a problem here, Ian. 
I'm glad they put the time in, but what if they just dug into the hole there and started working down there and they stayed there, you know? That's what Paul is talking about. This you need as a foundation if you want to grow up in Christ. But don't stay there. Come on, grow up. For God's sake, grow up. Wouldn't you just like to turn to somebody and say that again? Oh, no, I, just kidding you. <laughs> Uh, I could get all excited about each of these points, but I'm moving on. My third one is, is put the world in its place. Luke 8, 14 says, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. So here we got the parable of the sower. As you know, uh, Peter, uh, Jesus makes very clear what the seed is. It's the Word. It makes very clear... What the heart is, what the ground is, it's our hearts. And then in other places, it makes very clear what the water is. It's the Holy Spirit. So we, need, we can have good seed, Jesus is saying. You can have good water. But boy, the condition of the ground that you're putting seed into, just in the natural, you know. You don't have to be a farmer to understand that. It affects what kind of fruit's going to come out of this thing. God's looking for good fruit. One thing that we can have some input into. In fact, Scripture says, guard your heart. You know, Stuff that God wants to bring out, it's going to be through your heart. You know. Heads up, Jesus is saying. I mean, there's some good things in this world. It's not like God's down on us enjoying ourselves. You know, He's given us good things. It's not about us running off to some monastic you know, community in the mountains where we just get away from everything. I mean, if it's dangerous, well, we don't want anything. We don't want to be around people, no pleasures. No, it's not saying that. God's given us good things to enjoy. But we need to put those things in the right perspective in our life. They have to come after Jesus. And if the things of this world and the pleasures and your possessions are starting to take more and more of your time and stopping you from moving ahead in what God has called you to, then maybe there are some good things in this world that you need to say no to. If you're so busy, I mean, people are so busy today, that you haven't got time to get to church or be involved in the extension of his kingdom, then you're too busy. I'll just leave you there, that one. My fourth point is, is not just hearing but doing the word. I believe that this is a doctrinal book that we have. I think there's some doctrine that we need to understand who we are now that we're in Christ. I think first and foremost, it's a love letter. If you don't get that, then all the doctrine and the how-to manual get messed up. First and foremost, it's a love letter. But it's also not just a doctrine manual, it's also a how-to manual, how to live now. I mean, you've got to understand there's this thing in space called gravity, and it affects the way you operate now. You may just want to go have a drink of water, but guess here's the how-to you drink water in space, you know, and all the other things you do in space. So we got a how-to manual here, and uh, it says in Hebrews 5.14, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So we got this picture in Scripture of babes, milk, soft food, and we've got mature adults, solid food, meat, and God uses that picture a number of times, and so it is here. Just 
A lot of people in Christ who just want soft food. They just want a soft sell, you know. Don't challenge me. Don't rock my boat. Just make me feel comfortable. Shouldn't go to a church where they rock your world and challenge you and call you to grow up and to mature. Uh, it should all just be soft, nice soft sell, you know. And then there are those in Christ who want to grow up. And they say, it doesn't, doesn't matter what it costs, you know. I mean, challenge me, bring it on. If God says it, it's in his word, I want it. And I want to do something about it. I don't just want to be a hearer of his word. You have to be a hearer of his word. You have to spend time in his word if you want to grow up. But you've got to do something about that. You can't just keep hearing the word and doing nothing about it. James says, who of you look in a mirror? And then just walk away and do nothing about it. I mean, as it is in the natural, you spend time looking in the mirror. Every one of us looks at some time during the day, just making sure everything's okay, you know. Say to my wife before I get up, is, you know, <laughs> is everything okay here? Did I put the buttons in the right order this morning, you know? But just as you would look in the mirror naturally, God is saying, look into my word daily, daily, and then do something about it. Train yourself out of those patterns and way of doing things that are destructive to you growing up. They're going to keep you a baby. Everybody said amen. My fifth one, I'm just moving along. Use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, this doesn't normally come into a teaching on uh, maturity, but guess what? It's Bible. There's this scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, 20. The New King James Version says, Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes. But in understanding, be mature. The New International Verse says, be adults. But I, obvious, for obviously reasons, I use the New King James Version, but it's the same idea, isn't it? So be infants when it comes to sin, Paul is saying. But hey, when it comes to the use of God's power, you need to grow up. I mean, you need to go after those things. This, this is chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 14, right? Which is all about the administration of the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 12 Here's how you can expect God to show up. Nine gifts. Chapter 13, in the middle of 12 and 14, is all about the heart that you need to come across with it. The love of God. This amazing chapter on the love of God. And then 14 is about the administration. Now, Paul is not saying, do away with the gifts. I mean, some people teach that. How can you get that out of 14? I really don't know, you know. But what he is saying is, is eagerly, zealously desire the power of God, the gifts of the Spirit. He starts off the chapter by saying, especially that you might prophesy. But now that you've got revelation, what do you do with it? I mean, everybody's chipping in, you know. They've got revelation, and they're shouting stuff out in the service, I, I'm imagining. Paul has to come in and say, hey, there's an administration to this thing. It's not about edifying you. It's about edifying the body. So you need to grow up, mature in this thing, and how you handle this thing, you know. You got a revelation. Well, is that something you're supposed to bring publicly, or is that something you're supposed to go to the individual personally? And if you do give it to them, how do you give it to them? And we just got chapter 13 pushing us from behind. Amen. Love covers. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love desires the best for you. How do you bring this thing across? You got to mature into that, grow into that. There is an administration of these gifts that God wants us 
to move into, and God definitely wants us to move into them in a far greater dimension than these last days that we're living in. So hear me this morning. And in a service like this, when we're worshiping together, we, we need the prophetic. If you're sitting there going, everybody knows God loves them. Yeah, we all know it. But you come up and you speak that at the right moment under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and something gets released in here, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Something is released of the love of God in this place that we didn't have before you got up and were obedient. So get up there and give the word, if it's a word that God wants you to bring. But you know, if there's two or three or four people get up and say, I just believe God wants to say he loves me this morning, he loves you this morning, probably not for you to get up and say, it's probably a confirmation to you, and not necessarily something. Paul said, two or three, that's, I mean, don't you, sometimes you get so many words coming, you think, what is God saying this morning, you know? Now, the last thing I want to do is just, I'm not going to stay in this thing, but I really don't want to dampen. We want to release the gifts of the Spirit. There is an administration of the gifts here that I believe helps bring order in this place. And if you're new to the Lord or you're new into contending for the gifts of the Spirit, just come up here. <laughs> we just want you to go for it, you know. I mean, we've got lots of room for you to be a baby and just blurt it out, get it out, you know, get it going. If you want to move in the gifts of the Spirit, you've got to use them. And the more you use them, the more you see them in operation. But if you've been around for a while, then we're probably going to start. You know, I, mean, I'm, I used to hang, have the mic at one time at Trinity. Now Mark's got it, you know. So I come up there. Mark has this big discussion with me about the word that I've <laughs> uh, Now I know how other people felt, you know. But I mean, you know, this guy's been around for a Machona. just going to, let's talk about this. How does this fit in? Should. Mark would say, should I go first, or should I let Mary go first? Or, You know, we have this big discussion, and that doesn't put me off at all, you know, because I've been around for a while. I'm not going to, maybe I'll come back and preach on the administration of the gifts sometime. I'm going to move on here. But I really want to call us into maturity, and part of that is being mature in our use of the gifts of the Spirit. My sixth one is intercession. Of course, intercession is needed. Release the grace, the favor of God. Jesus didn't say ask and keep on guessing. That is a, a, a progressive verb there. Ask and keep on asking. When Jesus said, ask and you will receive. He's talking about asking and keep on asking. Now, he didn't say that just to fill our lives up with prayer. You know? That means that if you don't ask, something's not going to happen. You know? just want to remind us of that. So if this is God's goal, if this is the goal of those who are ministering to see us all grow up, probably something we need to pray for, you know. Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. I think you love this verse here. He's always wrestling in prayer for you. I mean, for you who think, well, we should just pray it once and it happens, sorry. <laughs> it's just not Scripture, you know. I mean, there's some things we're going to have to wrestle away from the kingdom of darkness. There are. I mean, God said to Israel, there's the promised land. It's yours. I thought, well, thank you very much, you know, but it sure doesn't look like mine. There's giants in there opposing my way, you know. No, it's yours. Go in and take it. I've given it to you. But guess what? You're going to have to take it. And part of our taking what God has for us is to pray and keep on praying. Consistent, persistent, insistent prayer, just wrestling with God. Some people just, today we want it, we want it now, you know. 
Why do people not pray? Because I want it and I want it now. Well, I'm sorry. Scripture just gives us these examples. And here's an, we started off with the apostolic team saying this is part of our desire for the churches that are relating to this team is to see you grow up. And here's somebody on the team. Epaphras was actually part of this team working with Paul. Paul's writing to that church, so he includes Epaphras and, in, and encourages them with their support and sending him out to be a part of this team. You didn't get to go back like Mike and Deborah are going to do now. Uh, no jets back in those days. You went out and did a big circuit, and you were out there for months, if not years, and then got back to the church. So Paul's commending the Colossal church and saying, hey, there's a good guy you sent us, and he goes on and talks about this amazing Epaphras, but I just want you to know, of all the churches that we're ministering into, he's got you, obviously, on his heart, and he is wrestling in prayer for you. I just want to make that a reminder to us that we need to wrestle not just for ourselves, but for one another. Hey, guess what? Point seven. I know, I know you're saying, are we there already? You're finishing? Don't put words in your mouth. Perseverance. James 1-2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There's our word mature, our last one I'm going to choose. There are others in Scripture, but I just picked these seven out. I want to finish this. This is a good one to end on, isn't it? Just persevering and finishing our race. Part of that is having to go through some things. You know. We've got to go through some things. How many here consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds? <laughs> Not a lot of hands here. <laughs> I mean, most of us, when we go through some trial, I mean, it's God have mercy on me. How could you do this to me? Here is your servant who's served you all these years, Lord. How could you allow this to happen to me? Don't you love me? <laughs> yeah, I love you, Ivor, but I'm not going to leave you the same. There's some things you're going to have to go through to grow up, you know. My promise to you is to take you through the fire. My promise is you to take you through the waters. You know? I mean, here's the disciples, eh? How do you like this? Jesus says, get in the boat and go to the other side. No, we're going to get in the boat and go to the other side. Jesus is with them the first time. I mean, he does this a number of times, you know. I would have thought after the first storm, I said, okay, Jesus, we got that one. We don't need that one anymore. <laughs> well, he puts him in the boat, and he's there with him. And a storm comes up. How can you be in the center of God's will and be in the center of a storm? Well, evidently you can, you know. And then the second times he does it, Jesus is not even in the boat. Okay, you had a rough go with it when I was there, you know. I mean, I'm sleeping in the boat. I'm trying to tell you something. Just relax. I'm here, you know. You didn't seem to get that, but we've done that one. Okay, here's the second one. I'm not here. <laughs> get in the boat and go to the other side. Big storm comes up. Boat's about to sink. No Jesus. They're freaking out again. He's not sleeping in the back. Where is he, you know? Like God's got to train us. No, you're just going to have to trust. This is this thing called faith. You don't see it with your eyes. But I'm always with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I love you. You are mine. When you walk through the waters, I'll be with you. 
When you go through the fire, I'm with you. How about Shadrach, Ab- what's their name? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abnego, you know? I mean, <laughs> isn't it kind of a way to go around this furnace? I mean, this furnace is so hot, nobody can get near the door to throw them in, you know. You guys go do her, you know. <laughs> We're back here. I mean, you get fried before you even get into the fire. Don't you love those guys that said, we know that our God is well able to deliver us in this fire. But even if he doesn't, <laughs> what a test to pass. Eh? I mean, from whining and crying, God, where are you? To that place there is probably something to shoot for if you're wanting to mature. You know? God, you're in the boat. I'm in the center of your will here. Take me through, Lord. But even if you don't take me through, I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to praise you. I'm still going to exalt you, Lord God. How many of you find that Christianity doesn't work into a nice little even box? <laughs> We'd like it to. Charles Spurgeon said, By perseverance the snail reached the ark. I like that one. I'm going to close on that. I just want to say to us, we're not all called to be racehorses. We're not all called to be cheetahs. But God has put into you everything that you need to finish the race that he's called you to. Run with everything you got. Colossians 1.28, one more scripture says, Him we proclaim, or we proclaim him, it says in the New International Version. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Isn't that a great picture? I mean, I'm all in. I'm, I'm giving her everything I've got with God's power working through me. That's the only way to serve him. Amen? God bless you. Grow up. Amen.